0: Good morning, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Happy Lord's Day morning. Before we begin the message, let's look to the Lord, shall we, in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you and we cry to you today for our nation, for our president, for our vice president and their families. We pray for those in the members of the Congress, both in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. We pray for those who are governors and down to the state and local levels, Lord. And we pray for a revival in our nation that souls will be saved and that the United States will once again be one nation under God. Lord, this is something that only you can do. And you've done many great revivals in the past through the Holy Spirit. We pray now, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts through your word. Lord, hide me behind the cross that you, Lord Jesus, will be glorified and we ask this in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. Have you ever said in your life something like this? I wasted my time. I wasted my money. I wasted my effort. He never showed up or she never showed up. They had an appointment. They didn't call. They didn't show up. It, became, it was worthless. Or I drove all across town to get to the bank before they closed and they just closed the door. Or you're at a business and they just put the sign on closed. You just missed it. I've been there before, a couple of minutes before closing time and, they, and they've closed it up and they wouldn't let me in. We feel it's in vain. We feel it's, It's not profitable. I I wasted my time. There's a lot of things that we can waste our time in, in this world. And yet, the one thing that will never be a waste, it will never be in vain, is our service for our Lord Jesus Christ. The title of our message this morning is, Our Labor is Not in Vain in the Lord. Paul was a great example of laboring for the Lord. There was nobody that worked harder than he did, that sacrificed more, that suffered more than the Apostle Paul. He lived for Christ and he died for Christ. And from the moment he got saved on the road to Damascus until the moment he was beheaded by the Roman authorities because of his faith in Jesus Christ, from that moment to that moment, He lived completely for the Lord. He won souls to Christ. He established churches, and he built up the believers in their faith and taught and equipped them. He traveled all over the ancient world, mile after mile, without the benefit of automobiles or airplanes or any other quick means of transportation. It was mostly on foot or by the sea or different means that way. But we're thankful today that in 2020, the method is still the same. Sharing the good news of the gospel and serving our Lord should be our highest priority that we have in our lives. Whether there's a pandemic going on like there is now, or fires going on, or whatever it may be in this world, we have a mission to serve the Lord with those around us. Our text today is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It's at the end of this great chapter on the resurrection of Christ and His coming again that He says these words, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's three things that we're going to look at that are found in our text this morning. Number one, be steadfast. If we want our service to count and not be in vain, we have to be steadfast. Number two, we have to be immovable, immovable in order for our service to be effective. And third, we need to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, I really love this word, steadfast. It's found quite a few times in Scripture. And for our labor to be effective, we have to be steadfast. We have to be determined to serve the Lord. The word steadfast is defined as firmly fixed in place, firm in belief, determination, or adherence. Our labor for the Lord must be with determination and resolve it's not easy today many of our ministries that we have are here at the church and we haven't been able to meet as a congregation at the church because of the pandemic some of us have a few ministries that we do outside the church which are important and we keep the church going that way but a lot of our ministries are right now on hold as it were but there's other things that we can do to serve the Lord Whether it be calling somebody, sending them a note by letter, or email or text, chats, different things. It's all very important in our service for the Lord. It shows our loyalty to Christ when we serve Him. And we need to keep going. We can't quit, we can't take it easy. Just because we're not meeting together as a congregation at church on Sunday with all the me- meetings we have Sunday and, and Monday meetings and Wednesday meetings and Thursday men's lunch and Friday groups and those kinds of things, so we don't have them right now. But we should still be spiritually fit, spiritually in tuned. We have to keep ourselves in shape. With this pandemic, a lot of people... W- were at home and of course are still at home and they're doing their exercises at home and they're finding a whole new exercise routine because of of the pandemic well spiritually we can't lose our focus we have to continue to read the word of god and study it together as individuals as couples as families it's very, very important to be in the Word of God. And it's also very important to maintain our prayer life, to continue praying for one another. Actually, during this pandemic, I've increased my prayers because before when I was working, I'd pray for half the church one day, and then the next day I'd pray for the other half. Well, now I've been doing every day the whole church, and it's been a real blessing for me. And I get on my treadmill and I call it my prayer walk every day because I have my prayer list there and I pray for the members of the church as I'm going through my workout. It makes the workout go better and it's such a blessing to pray and prayer is so very important. And we need to continue on working hard for the Lord even though we're not meeting together. You know, it reminds me when kids go to school, when they go to high school, they're very regimented in their class and their studies and the things they have to do. Then you get to college and all of a sudden it's on you as a college student. You have to be disciplined. You have to go to class. Nobody's going to be there to force you or to check up on you. You have to do it. You have to do the homework. You have to study for the test. You have to do the term papers and so forth. And that's the way it is now. It's kind of like we're on our own in many ways and we need to to be strong in that. One of the hardest jobs, I think, in the history of the world, and it was done this way uh, up until the last, well, probably 50 years or more, uh, lumberjacks. They were called lumberjacks and they were people that used to cut down the trees. And they did it all manually. And they would have an axe and they would keep chopping and chopping and chopping until the tree fell, and then their famous words, Timber, the tree would fall down, and they'd have to be careful that the tree didn't fall upon them. Or maybe they had a saw, and they were sawing and sawing and sawing. And they didn't know how many strokes of the axe it would take to bring down the tree. They didn't know how many saw strokes they would need to bring down the tree. They kept going. And that's the way it is with our life in Christ and serving Him. We need to be like spiritual lumberjacks. We need to serve the Lord with a, with a fervency, with, a, with an enthusiasm, with a joy in our lives. Because that is what it's all about. Serving the Lord is not easy. It requires sacrifice and hard work and effort. But it is the most worthwhile thing we'll ever do in life is to serve the Lord. It's never in vain. And Paul was a tireless servant of Christ. In our day and times, I think of Adel and Sylvia. They are tireless servants of Christ. They serve so much. And now with the pandemic, they're probably taking more telephone calls than they ever were before because we're not meeting together as a church. So they get a lot more calls with a lot more needs. Very important for us to continue to serve the Lord. And they're a great example of tireless servants. And the Lord has given them strength. He's given them wisdom. And they are a great example to us. Paul wrote at the end of his life these famous words from 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 that says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. These words have inspired Christians all down through the centuries to have that same fervor and desire to serve our Lord, to fight the good fight of faith against the devil to finish the race that God has set before us, and to keep the faith all the way through to the end. Like Paul, we face hardships in our service for the Lord. We face obstacles in our service for the Lord. We face opposition in our service for the Lord. We can know we're on the right track when we get opposed by the devil and he works against us and he's going to fight us right down to the end. The great missionary statesman Adoniram Judson once said, the motto of every missionary, whether preacher, printer, or schoolmaster, ought to be this, steadfast for life. And I thought about that. That should be our motto as Christians today in the year 2020. Steadfast for life. When you're steadfast, you're holding on to the Lord. And you're, you're keeping on, even when it's difficult. And I think that the Lord gets even more glory when it costs us something, when it's costly. And that's exactly what we need to do Someone once said there's a big difference between a mere desire to do a thing and a burning passion to do it. A determination to accomplish it at all cost." A mere desire is like warm water in a locomotive. It will never produce steam. It takes fire and force and enthusiasm to generate the things that propel the successful character. So that's our first point this morning. Be steadfast. Wouldn't it be remarkable at the end of our lives and, and such a blessing if someone could say, well, Dean was steadfast in his service for the Lord. I'd love that to be said about me. Because steadfastness is so very important. Consistency. Steadfastness. Continuing on, keep on keeping on, it's very important. And not only is it important, if we want to have our service not be in vain, to be steadfast, but it's also important that we be immovable. When something is immovable, it cannot be moved. It cannot be stopped. The word immovable means impossible to move, firmly fixed in place, not able to be changed or persuaded. This should characterize our life and our service for the Lord. Immovable. You know, they often speak of the expression in the world, the irresistible force meets the immovable object. Back a year or two ago, they had a movie came out with Superman versus Batman. I never saw it. I wouldn't want to see it because they're two of my superheroes and I don't want to see my superheroes fighting each other or having conflict like that. It's not good. They're both good. They're both favorites of mine. And Superman was great in his way and Batman is great in his way. And they, they both symbolize this subject of being immovable. Immovable. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 4.12, And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Paul never sought retribution against anyone, even those who stoned him, even those who hurt him, even those who spoke behind his back and put him down and tried to work against him. He prayed for them. He loved them. He won them to Christ, You know, Abraham was immovable in his faith when God asked him to offer up his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. He was immovable. It wasn't something he wanted to do, or it was easy to do. He, he, Isaac was his only and well-beloved son, and God asked him to sacrifice him, and he was all ready to do, plunge the knife into his heart and sacrifice Isaac, and God stopped him, and then showed him there's a ram caught in the thicket, and he offered the ram in the place of his son. God spared Abraham the pang of losing his son, whereas he did not spare himself, but gave Jesus Christ his son for us. Joseph was immovable in his faith when Potiphar's wife tempted him and lured him and wanted him and desired after him. He said, no, no, no. How could I do this great evil and sin against God? He was immovable in his faith. And to be effective servants for the Lord, we have to be immovable. We can't let the things of this world move us at all. Daniel and his three friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were immovable in their resolve. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar's golden image, they put them into the fiery furnace and turned it up seven times hotter than usual. And yet God spared them, and they came out of it without even a trace of smoke. You know, we've been seeing a lot in the news and seeing all the smoke in the Bay Area and everything like this from the fires and the scenes of the fires and everything like that. They didn't even have a smell of smoke, even though that fire was burning against them. God did a miracle. And He did a miracle for Daniel when he was in the lion's den because all he did was pray openly, but it was, they had made a law, and that was against the law at that time, but he stood for God. They put him into the lion's den and the lions became like little kittens and God protected him. And yet when they threw the other men into the lion's den after Daniel was brought out safely, the lions devoured them and crushed their bones before they even reached the bottom of the den. God does miracles and we need to be immovable. We need to have that kind of faith that is immovable. We're not going to change our beliefs. We're not going to change the way we do things. We're going to honor God. We're going to stand for God. We're going to serve Him with that kind of service and that kind of labor that is not in vain in the Lord because we're steadfast and we're immovable. David wrote in Psalm sixteen eight, one of my favorite verses, I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. What a verse to claim for us when we have the Lord set always before us as first in our thoughts and first in our lives and our priorities. He will be there with us and stand with us, and we will not be moved. The Lord is like a huge rock. He's the rock of our salvation and our defense, and we cannot be moved. Psalm sixty-two six says, He is my only rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. I truly believe that the greatest service and the greatest sermons and the greatest songs or hymns are born out of the greatest trials and personal experiences that we go through with the Lord. One day... Augustus Toplady was overtaken by a severe thunderstorm in Burlington Combe, a rocky glen running into the heart of the Mindep Hills. Reminded me of the thunderstorm we had the other day, a couple of weeks ago. And these fires were started because of the thunderstorms. And, And I heard the sound on the roof and I couldn't believe, is it raining? And it was. And there was thunder, I could hear it. It was loud, and there was lightning. You could see the flashes of the lightning. And they showed pictures of it that they took later on. It was a lightning show, an unbelievable one. Tremendous thing. But this is what happened to this dear brother. He was caught in this, in this storm. There was no habitation anywhere near, no places of refuge that he could go to and turn to during the storm. But looking about him, he saw two massive pillars of rock, a deep fissure in the center of the precipitous crag of limestone and took refuge there. Standing there in safety, he escaped the storm Finding a piece of paper lying near, he picked it up and with his pencil wrote the famous familiar hymn, first published in 1775. That was before our country was even born. And of course the title is, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee. Yes, the Lord is our refuge. He's our rock. We can turn to Him. We can be then immovable we can be steadfast. John Henry Jowett once said, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. But when we pour ourselves out for the Lord and it costs us something in terms of our time and our effort and our money and our resources, that is the most effective service. So we've seen this morning so far to be effective and have a labor that is not in vain in the Lord, we need to be steadfast, determined, standing firm with the Lord. And then secondly, we need to be immovable by the things around us, by the circumstances that are going on, the problems, the difficulties, the things in the world that are happening day after day. And finally, our third point today is always abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul uses the terminology here that I really like he says he doesn't just say labor and work of the Lord he doesn't say just abounding in the work of the Lord but he says always abounding in the work of the Lord does that characterize your service for the Lord that you're always abounding in the work of the Lord with a good attitude with a thankful spirit with a determination to serve him Always abounding in the work of the Lord. We need to put our energy into it, our effort into it. We need to serve the Lord as if we're doing it for Jesus himself, and we are. When we serve others and do it in Jesus' name, we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. John MacArthur once said, now the word abounding is a very important word. It means to overdo it. Basically, that's what it means, to overdo it, to go beyond. It isn't the idea of just doing enough to get by. It is the idea of doing, get this, as much as possible. The way to work for the Lord is to do it as much as possible, to go to the very extremity of your limits, to go as far as you can go, to do as much as you can do, as well as you can do it, to overdo it. You know, we grow up in life and they say, don't overdo it. Don't strain yourself physically or mentally or emotionally. Don't overdo it. They call us fanatics if we do. But we should be fanatics for Jesus. We really should. And we should overdo it. I think our regret when we get to heaven is that we didn't do more for the Lord that we didn't work harder for the Lord. That's going to be our regret. Not that we overdid it and did too much. No. A lot of people say, you Christians there at San Ramon Valley Bible Church, you have too many meetings. you got meetings on Sunday. you got meetings on Monday night. you got meetings on Wednesday night. you got a Thursday uh, men's lunch. you got Friday groups. I mean, you've got things going on. That's too much. It's not too much. Maybe it's not enough. And I think really when we get back to meeting as a church, it's going to be such a thrill because we'll have been away from it for quite some time. And we'll want to get back to meeting together, worshiping the Lord and studying His Word and fellowshipping together. That fellowship, you can't replicate it. You really can't. It's so much a blessing We should go beyond the call of duty. They have that expression for the military, when you go beyond the call of duty. The highest award that our country can give out to to people, to soldiers in particular, our armed forces, is the Congressional Medal of Honor. The Congressional Medal of Honor goes to those who have gone over and beyond the call of duty, to the risking of their own lives, and many of those who received the Congressional Medal of Honor down through the years, many of them have received it posthumously, meaning that they had died. Some were still living. There was a story in the Civil War of a man who was a Union in the Union Army. And the fight had gotten so so bad that the, both sides had kind of withdrawn, but there were so many wounded on the battlefield there from the Confederate Army as well as from the Union Army. And this, this uh, medic, this man, went and he helped the soldiers not only from the Union side but also from the Confederate side. And he helped them and he carried them and he He did so much for them until he was wounded himself and and went unconscious right up until that time. He saved so many people and helped so many people. It's, It's just an amazing thing, the Congressional Medal of Honor. And we as Christians are going to receive honors. We're going to receive awards. We're going to receive rewards from the Lord for our service that we have done for Him Paul writing to the Colossians said in Colossians one twenty nine, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily, that shows how much power we can have to do his work. He has given us the Holy Spirit, He has given us the Word of God, He's given us everything we need to serve Him, and yet still after all the things He's given to us, He gets all the glory. And yet He's going to reward us for what we do faithfully for Him. Have you ever overdid it in the Lord's work? Have you ever gone beyond the call of duty in serving the Lord and others? The Lord wants us to always abound in the work of the Lord. It's a daily commitment. It's a daily decision that we must make. I like this sign that was over a great manufacturing plant that read this. If you are like a wheelbarrow, going no further than you are pushed, you need not apply here. We don't want wheelbarrow Christians that have to be pushed. We want Christians that have the inner drive and desire to serve the Lord out of love and out of commitment and sacrifice. The real beauty of Christian living belongs to the phrase going the second mile. Jesus talked about that at length in the fifth chapter and the sixth, actually the sixth chapter of uh, Matthew where he was in the Sermon on the Mount. He took that way himself. Jesus didn't take the easy way. He took the road to Calvary, which was a difficult way. Going the second mile is going over and above what anyone else would do. The Lord wants us to do it all for His glory. You know, right now we're in the playoffs with the NBA, with the NHL, and football's starting up. started last night with the Chiefs and the Texans. 49ers are due to play. If the air quality is good enough, they'll play. If not, they'll have to postpone that game. But when you have tremendous talent and, and all the athletes do in, in professional sports, they've all got talent. That's not what separates the great ones from the good ones and from the average ones. It's what's in here. It's what's in the heart. They have an expression in sports where they call athletes overachievers. Now, what does that mean? It means that they took the little talent that they had, maybe... They weren't as fast, they weren't as big or as strong as maybe some of the others. They weren't a high draft pick. They maybe were the last pick in the draft. But they became overachievers. In other words, they achieved more than they were supposed to. And and they get honored for that. They're overachievers. Now, conversely, there's also the term underachievers. And usually the underachievers are the ones who are the most talented. They're fast, they're strong, they're powerful. They're really good at what they do. But they don't achieve greatness or superstardom because they don't work hard at it. Reminds me of quite a few years ago, Alan Iverson, he had that rant that he went on and he said, it's just practice. It's just practice. That's all it is. It's, it's practice practice I give my all when the game gets on when the ball goes up then I'll be ready but the great athletes give their all on every play in practice as well as on the field for the game or on the court because they know perfect practice makes perfect performance and it's so very important there was a movie in 1993 about a young football player, Daniel Eugene Rudy Rudinger. The movie was made in 1993, but he played college football in in the 1960s. He had a dream of playing at the University of Notre Dame, but Rudy was too small. A lot of us can relate to that. He was only 5 feet 6 inches tall, and he didn't have the grades to get into the university. He and his family were from Pennsylvania. They were minors. They worked hard. But he wanted to to go into a different sphere of life and profession. He wanted wanted to play football at Notre Dame. That was his dream and his desire. But he couldn't do it. But he found favor, and they let him walk on the team, and they let him practice with the team. Now, he couldn't play in any of the games. He didn't play in any of the games but he was on the practice team, and he got a chance to play that way in the practice times. Well, it came down to the last game of the season against Georgia Tech, and all the players began, they wanted to see Rudy get a chance to play in a game. Just one play, coach, just one. And so they all said in unison, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy, the fans started chanting it. Rudy, 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 and sure enough, the coach granted him that desire to get in, in the game. Georgia Tech had scored a, a touchdown, or actually, uh, Notre Dame had scored a touchdown, and they were kicking off to to um, to Notre to. Uh, Georgia Tech. Notre Dame was kicking off to Georgia Tech. So they put Rudy in there. said, this will be safe. We'll put Rudy in, as the, in on the kick team. There's 10 other guys out there that can make the tackle. He won't have to do much. He might get blocked. He might get knocked down. But he'll get, a, he'll get a chance to play. So they put him in. And guess what he did? He made the tackle on the kick team. And they gave him another chance to play on defense for a play before the game ended, and Rudy sacked the quarterback. That's not easy to do. Yes, Rudy was an overachiever. Yes, he worked so hard to accomplish his dream. And we as Christians should always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, there have been missionaries that have served the Lord for years and have seen very little fruit. Very little people won to Christ. And yet then they have passed away and gone home to be with the Lord. And all of a sudden people start getting saved. All the people that he preached to, they start coming to Christ. He had sown the seed. The missionary was a wonderful, inspired worker. And the Lord blessed that ministry and did it for His glory. There's a hymn that says, It's titled, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There. And that hymn says, Let us labor for the Master from dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all His wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. That's what we want to do. We want to labor for the Master, give our all in His service Yes, nothing is ever wasted. Nothing is ever in vain. I remember the disciples when they put down the woman who brought her perfume, costly perfume, and they said, what is this waste? That perfume could have been sold for 300 denarii, which was a year's worth of wages, and given to the poor. But Jesus said, the poor you have with you always, but you don't always have me. She's kept this for my burial. And he blessed her for it. He says, wherever the gospel is preached in this whole world, she shall be be remembered for what she did. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown to his name, that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God doesn't forget. When we serve him faithfully, Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. We may forget what we did for the Lord back in our earlier days. Others may forget what we did for the Lord here on this earth, but He never forgets, and He will reward us for our labor. Let's remember then that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. May the Lord help us to be steadfast, serving Him with a determination and commitment every day, whether anyone is watching or not, whether anyone is listening or not, help us to serve the Lord in secret, to give and to share and to help. Our service will never be in vain. Let us also be like an a rock. Let us be immovable. Whatever circumstances and trying times come upon us, The devil may attack us. We may have trials and difficulties and hardships, but let's remain immovable by the things of this world. And may the Lord help us to always abound in the work of the Lord. May we do His service as unto Him. Let us be spiritual servants of Christ, laboring for the Master until the day He takes us home to glory. Shall we close in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we're challenged by your word today where Paul says to the Corinthians, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor or your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Lord, we may get tired in our service for you, but we never get tired of serving you. And we pray that you will strengthen us and use us for your glory. We commit this time to you and pray you'll bless this Lord's day and all that we do in Jesus' precious name. Amen.